This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week we are looking at what happens when your kids aggressive or not even aggressive, passive aggressive. What if they become the person in control of other people? How do you cope with that? Uh, Two, uh, we're going to look at when you're involved in a family who is not yours, how can you help Parent for Faith in that situation? And we're also going to look as our wild card section, we're going to be looking at godparents and how can we equip and support them? And as always, a question to start an interesting conversation with our kids. Speaking of kids, here's my kid. You want to say hi? Hi, guys. <laughs> That's my kid. He's upstairs. Yeah, I'm going to be right now. Right now. All right, you go play with Grandma and Grandpa. There we go. He's Skyping Grandma and Grandpa because they live in America and they have a little date every Monday where they play for like an hour, hour and a half. And it's great. And I have no idea what goes on up there. Anyways, what are we looking at? Right. Uh, before we begin, I, well, I guess as we begin, I, I've been wanting to do this topic for a while. It's very unchristmassy. I apologize. But uh, what has been sort of churning in me about this is what do we do when when our kid, well, we can be so worried about bullying and, you know, or how do we help our kids when they're getting bullied? How do we help them when they're under persecution for being a Christian? And I feel like that skirts around the issue that a lot of the time, sometimes, our kids are the aggressors. Our kids are the ones who are shoving other children. And our kids sometimes are the ones who are using cutting words against their siblings, against us, against uh, people at school. And how do we, how do we discipline that? How do we, how do we coach a kid to grow when their instinct in certain situations is to control others, to be violent, to be um, harsh with their words? What do we do with that? And I wanted to talk about it because we we, we dodge very little here on Parenting for Faith. And I, it was something that I waffled on because normally at Parenting for Faith, we stay away from general parenting issues like discipline and stuff. But I feel like there's a, a faith element to this question that I think is important for us to wade into. Because I think what happens sometimes is when we're dealing with our child's aggression, our, ch- our children's uh, sense of control over other children or, or wanting to use their words harshly, it can feel like something we just need to discipline out of them. Something that we say, nope, that's not acceptable. And we give them discipline and we move them beyond that. But I think there's something deeper that we can help them with, something really powerful that we can wade into with our children. Because when our children are acting aggressive, when they are using their words or their bodies to hurt our harm others. There is something going on inside of them that I think can be spiritual and where God can meet them and where they can find a different sense of peace. And so I just wanted to talk just briefly about some of the ways that we can um, wade into this aspect uh, as a, alongside all of the discipline that you will be doing. I very much feel like it's a wave. Uh, we talk about surfing the waves and parenting for faith. And I think it's something that we can 
take a wonderful opportunity to jump on board this wave, which many will see as a negative wave. And I I see it just as an opportunity to disciple our children. So the first thing that I would suggest when it comes to that is to reframe their behavior. Often we um, focus on what the behavior is and the behavior we want them to stop. And actually, I think it's really interesting to reframe what they're doing for them. So if you have a child who is being rude to other people by saying that they are better than someone else. I was hanging out with some kids and one of the kids was like, what reading level are you? And the other child was like, oh, I'm a blue. And this kid was like, oh, I'm a red. Isn't that interesting? I'm a whole year younger than you. And yet I can read better than you can. And it was like, that's so rude. And I heard it and the parent was instantly like, no, that's rude. And so it could just be that was rude, apologize. But actually, what's going on underneath it? And so uh, this parent was brilliant and she reframed it as saying she took him aside and I was sort of casually listening and said, um, you chose to use your words to try to make that other child feel small. What was going on in your heart that made you want to make that other child feel small and make you feel big? And and that kid was sort of saying like, well, I don't know. I just wanted, it was, I just wanted to know. And it was interesting. And then it came up that they had just played a game and that kid had lost and they wanted to like say that I'm good too. And she mom said, that's really interesting that you were feeling sad that you lost and you wanted to make yourself feel better by making that other kid feel small and not as good. That's not how we cope with those feelings. And so it began to be about what caused that behavior and maybe why we can, when you feel small again, what's, oh, sorry, I don't want to move on to the next one. But that reframing is something that can be a really helpful tool. This isn't about just using your words to be rude to somebody. This actually was about hurting somebody else so you felt big and making them feel small. And that is definitely not something that we choose to do with our words or our actions. And when you re- reframe it, it then allows you to disciple within it. Uh, another situation um, was uh, that I ran across was, a couple of children and their relationships had broken down. You know how it goes. And uh, these kids were proactively hiding from this other child and sort of blanking them or pretending he was invisible and then sort of trying to avoid them. And this kid was totally baffled. And it looked really rude and mean to this child to sort of, they were friends yesterday and all of a sudden they weren't friends. And uh, and when I pulled these kids aside and we were talking about it, I was saying, you know, it looks like you're choosing to be really mean to this other child to make him feel like you don't like him, you don't want. And it turned out that the the way the conflict happened was this other child had done something unforgivable uh, in terms of violence. And the children were like, I'm not sure this kid is safe to be around. So rather than dealing with the conflict, they just chose to let him get the message through passive aggressive avoidance. And I was saying, ah, I understand you don't have to be friends with everybody, but you do have to be kind to everybody. And so if you have a friendship problem that you want to discuss, then we need to face how we explain our choices to other people in a kind way, in a way that makes them feel It might not be, they might not like the decision, but we cannot just leave them to feel left out and alone and confused. That's not okay. If you, if you want to change the way your relationship works, then you need to sit down and talk about how those relationship work and we coach them through it. And so actually, how do you cut off relationship in a good way is another way. That's what's happening is you're hiding from, you're hiding from a big discussion because you don't want to face that big discussion and that's not okay either. Or uh, if, 
if a child is、uh, snatching or shoving or doing something, then rather than just saying nope, no snatching, the question is, you know, you can't use your body to make what you want happen, or you can't use your body to show your emotions. That's not how we show our emotions. And so when you rephrase it of what's actually going on in the heart, then you can disciple the heart issue. And so、uh, the second stage, then first reframe it. The second thing that you can do is hunt down what's going on in the heart. What were you feeling when you were doing these things? Why did you feel that? You know, sometimes you know some kids will punch because they feel like they're getting picked on, and that's the only way that they can get out of it. And so then that's a whole thing of how do we deal with it, and how do we protect ourselves from that, and how do we cope with those feelings?、Um, and then you can also hunt down in the heart what's their impact on others. It's not. Just when you're rude to somebody, that person feels sad. When you're mean to somebody with your words, actually they believe lies about themselves. Their confidence gets knocked. They may be afraid to be hurt, and so they're living in fear.、Um, it may impact how they learn.、Uh, when we when we use our words and actions in the way that we have been, the impact is big and long lasting. And have you ever had someone call you a name and you still remember it? How does that feel? And so it's not just how do you think they would feel. It's actually really. Getting into those long-lasting impacts, and then you could talk about how God sees them, and how God sees you, and how we lose that sometimes in our emotions. There's so much that you can do when you hunt down what was going on in the heart of that. And then the third thing is to equip them how to deal with those emotions and those situations in a different way. So you know, for a child who wants to make others feel small, well, that usually comes because you. Wants to feel big, and so how do you, how do you make yourself feel big and feel important and significant in a way that doesn't make others feel small? Ah, well, here's a thousand different ways you could do that. You could serve people. You could.、Um, You could stand up for the voiceless because that makes you feel really big when you're standing up against opposition to protect someone who's weak. There are loads of other ways of feeling that emotion than trying to make other people feel small, and you can equip them and you can help spot those things. Another thing they need equipping in sometimes is whether it's cutting off relationship well or. How do we cope with all those big emotions when we want to snatch something out of someone's hand? How do we use those words? How do we find help? How do we negotiate? Or how do we clean up their mess?、Um, for me, there's always a, a part of of conflict that you have to clean up your mess. You have to clean up your relational mess. You have to clean up your physical mess. And so, you know, if you've done something to damage someone's heart and damage relationships with other people, if you've mocked this person to the point where other people don't like him, not only do you need to apologize, but you also need to fix that situation that you've created. So, what does that look like to help bring someone back and make up for your mistake and What what does that look like to really clean up your mess? Whether it's apology, whether it's、um, fixing what's going on in your heart, that sort of mess of of cleanup. How do we do that? This who are we called to be? Question. And so, if you have a child who's dealing with physical aggression or emotional aggression or just trying to learn to cope with that, you don't have to do everything. Obviously, no one does anything perfectly, but you may just want to think around: How can you reframe the situation of what's going on? How can you help hunt down the heart of what's behind the choices? And how can you equip your kid to deal with the emotions that are coming up and how to clean up that mess?
Our question for the day is uh, from one of our listeners. I love hearing your guys' thoughts and your questions and all the brilliant stuff. Sometimes you just message in with things that have happened in the life of your kid. And I tell you, I cry over them and I am so encouraged and I print them out and I put them on my encouragement board in my office just to... I love hearing what you're doing with your kids and what God is doing through you. And it's so encouraging. And uh, so we had a listener uh, come in with a question. And so today's question is this. Uh, I babysit for a Christian family who doesn't talk about God at home or really practice much. So I can talk to the kids about God and Jesus, but find they have no basis to go on and ask questions like, who is God? What is God? And where is God? As I'm only with them two mornings a week, it's not much time to go on, but I wonder if you can give some basic advice for those who want to talk about God with kids who aren't learning about God at home. Just basic ways to introduce them to Jesus and relationship with him and how to talk about God if their parents don't. I appreciate your help and God bless. Well, God bless you. I love that you're asking that question. I think it's really um, important that we highlight that here, it looks like the parents are Christians, so they're open to it. So you have permission to do it. It's just sort of knowing where to start with that. And uh, I think it's great. I think you absolutely can be a really significant um, part of these kids' spiritual journeys. And so whether you're babysitting for kids, whether you're just a a family member who's involved in the life of children, whether you're a neighbor, if there is permission for you to be open about your faith and them being open about their kids learning about this stuff, it's wonderful. Uh, And so, yes, fantastic. I guess I'd I'd suggest three different ways. One, I would suggest if, if you feel like they have no foundation for the story, the sort of wider story, sometimes what's really helpful is to to lay that big story foundation. Uh, in Parenting for Faith, we often talk about telling the whole story, the whole story of God, so that everything that you then add in after that fits into that story. So you're not you're not slowly revealing a whole bunch of stuff that feels like it's this never-ending stuff you don't know. But actually you say, well, the entire story of God is this. And therefore, when we talk about who is God or what is Jesus or where is Christmas, everything refers back to that one story. Oh, remember when I said this, you know, that Jesus came? Well, that's what is, that's in there, you know? So Jesus came, that's where the Christmas story is. Or they say, you know, what are we going to do when we die? You go, ah, remember that whole story of how I said one day it will be, the story ends with one day it'll all be the same. Well, that's what I'm talking about when it comes to heaven. And so you can keep referring back to this big story that you've told. And so it may be that you start off with finding something that can facilitate you telling the big story of God. Uh, If you want to sort of read a chapter on it, it's in the uh, Parenting Children for Life of Faith omnibus version. Uh, And there's a whole little chart of my suggestions of what your six points may want to be and how you can tie children's experiences into those. Um, But for now, you just might want to think about the big story of God from creation till end times. And for me, it's this little six points of, of, oh, now if I can remember it off the top of my head. Well, look it up. <laughs> but you might want to grab a book that does that. Things like The Garden, The Curtain, and The Cross as a children's book that sort of does the whole story. Uh, or an audiobook version of the Jesus Storybook Bible. That often tells it. Now, it's a big book, but you can slowly every week go through it and, uh, you know, do the next story. And so that you feed into them that whole story and just grab that. I think there's a, a church that is 
made the sort of six points that I talk about uh, into little cards uh, so that and then are telling stories based on that. So you can always refer to these six cards of of God is love. You know, we walked away. Um, God, you know, came after us with Jesus. Um, the Holy Spirit um, is partnering with God to bring everybody back. We can be empowered uh, to go on that journey with God to help everyone know him. And one day it'll all be great. I think those are my six points. Uh, so yes, try to tell the whole story and get that big story in. Then all of those questions can be paired in. Uh, the second thing I would suggest is create windows and frame your life into ordinary life with God. You know, really, as you're as you show up, go. Oh, I was just talking to God on the way over, and uh, I was saying I'm so excited about the craft we're doing today, and just leave it there. Just drop it into your everyday talk about what your life with God is like when you're not there. Uh, sometimes you can be chatting to God in the kitchen when you're making snack. Uh, sometimes it's just about whipping out your Bible while you're waiting for the other one. Just live your life so that they can see what it looks like. Don't worry about being perfect. You can talk about you know, negative stuff and good stuff. It's just if they don't know who God is, they, then they really don't know what life with him looks like. And so to talk about it and let them see it of, of you know, how you talk with God or what music you listen to and why. And you can go, oh, I love this song because it always make, reminds me that God is really close to me. Or I love this song because it always makes me feel courageous. Can you feel how so courageous you feel? Because those are like God's words beating inside you. Uh, and so feel free to create windows and to frame, you know, when I see this, this is what I do. Or when I see this, this is what I think. Or I'm so grateful because of this. Or I love Christmas because this is this is how I see what God is doing in the middle of a pandemic. And just sort of share and frame for them what that is. So the normal everyday life of that comes. So they get the big story of God, but they also get the what it looks like in the nitty gritty. And then feel free to answer any questions they have with your question, with your answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. And and it's okay to say, ooh, interesting. What do you think about that? So we always suggest the four ways of answering questions. You know, ask what they think. Uh, say what you know. Say what you don't know. And then say what you think of how you cope with all of that knowing and not knowing. And so if they say, who is God? You go, oh, really interesting question. What do you think? Then you can say, well, the Bible tells me that this is who God is. And in my life, this is who God is. What I don't know is all of these things, you don't have to list loads, but there's lots I don't know about God. But what I love is that God is here and, and that all the things I don't know don't make me stop talking to him, but it makes me talk to him more. It's great. And you just sort of frame for them what you, what, what they think, what you know, what you don't know, and what your answer is. And if they want to know more, you can investigate together and you show them how to find answers. So Whatever you do, um, I think what you're going to do is fantastic. And every little thing that you do is going to be significant in the lives of these kids because you're building those relationships. So good job. Go. I believe in you. Stay in touch. We'd love to figure out how we can continue to encourage you more. So I'm here with Lucy Rycroft and Kath Sales. Ladies, can you introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Lucy Rycroft. I'm the founder of the Hope Field Family blog, which equips Christian parents um, in the realm of faith and family life and adoption. And hi, I'm Kath. I run Hope and Ginger, which is a Christian gifts and paper goods brand. And I design um, lovely things to encourage people in their life and faith and to help them to pray. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with us today. And you ladies have uh, been working on a project recently that is now available uh, called, it's a Godparent Prayer Journal, isn't it? Can you tell us a bit more about it, how it came about, what it's for, all those sorts of things? So about a year ago, um, when I was um, thinking a lot about my godchildren, because it was coming up to Christmas and I was buying presents for them, um, I actually bought a couple of Kath's family prayer journals and I gave those to one of our godchildren and his family and one for us as well. And I was just kind of at the time starting to think about how to equip godparents. I was thinking about blogging, about godparenting, and that was something I hadn't at that stage covered on my blog. And then I was thinking it would be great if this could go one step further. Um, if this could be more of a kind of printed resource. And I had Kath's prayer journal, <laughs> probably literally in my hand at the time. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Kath would be interested in collaborating and making a paper journal. So after Christmas, I got in touch with Kath. Um, I thought she'll be super busy and she probably won't have time at all. But actually, she was really positive about it. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Lucy pinged me a message and I thought, oh, what a great idea. Um, I have got children of my own as well and just um, could really see that I would benefit personally from um, some guided prayer prompts and um, scriptures to help me to pray um, for all different um, aspects of my godchildren's life. So when Lucy suggested it, I thought, yes, I jumped at the opportunity and we, and we sort of went from there. Fantastic. I mean, it's amazing to ask to be a godparent, isn't it? When you have that moment when your friend or family member um, says, we'd love you to be involved in our child's life spiritually, or um, your traditional denomination may not have godparents, but there's kind of different ways of saying, please, could you come and help us out and be involved? This is a, a journey that we do together. and We never want parents doing it on their own. But it can be really challenging as well, can't it? It's not all, um, it's not all plain sailing. Do you want to share a bit about that, Lucy? It's a great honour to be asked um, and a privilege to play that role in, in your friend's child's life. It's really, really wonderful. Um, but it's really challenging. I think part of it is because, I don't know if other people can relate to this, but I've become a godparent around the same time as I've become a parent. And most of the time, I feel like I've got too many children of my own to keep tracks on, let alone other people's children. So in terms of praying for, you know, in my case, an additional four children to my own four, um, that can be really challenging to find the time to do that. And another challenge is only one of my godchildren lives in the same town as me. And so it can be really difficult to stay in touch, to remember to send those messages, to find out what's going on and how I can best pray for them. Can I add one more challenge as well? It's just, um, so one of our godchildren is, is an adult. Um, and uh, we obviously haven't, our own children are still young, um, so we haven't parented through the teenage years. We, um, yeah, we, we sort of don't have even the, that sort of experience and, um, and just, you know, your, your responsibility and role as a godparent doesn't end when your godchild turns 18. Yeah, I love that because parenting doesn't end when they turn 18 and godparenting doesn't either. You know, it, it continues and you've still got to be using all of those tools and things that you've got to help them. Um, can you just share a bit more, Kath, about what actually is in the Godparent Prayer Journal and how, how people might use it? Absolutely. So um, in the Godparent Prayer Journal, um, there are 52 prayer prompts um, and on each of those there's um, a scripture to sort of start off with and then there's some prayer points um, that link to the scripture and then speak into a specific area of um, your godchild's life and then um, 
there's two other boxes. Um, one has uh, says your godchild's prayer request. So that just sort of it's just a gentle prompt. I mean, you can do as many or as few of the boxes as you want, but it's a gentle prompt to actually, you know, maybe you want to get in touch and say is there anything I can be praying for you? Um, how can I support you in this way? And then the other one is uh, encouragement for your godchild. And that um, could be lots of things, but we were thinking maybe um, there was something from the scripture that you particularly stood out for you, something that you were praying, maybe a word or picture that you felt um, the Holy Spirit giving you while you were praying, or maybe just a thought that you'd had that you wanted to share with your godchild. Um, so just as a way to sort of consistently um, be able to encourage them and yeah we've done 52 so you could do one a week um, for a whole year if you wanted to or you could do one a month and it would last you for a long time you know? <laughs> um, the idea is really just that um, it's it's just very gentle and flexible there's also a date on each day and we thought felt that that was important because actually when you're looking back or you're praying into things um it's great to actually date it because then you know when this happened and and um what your godchild was what was happening in their lives at that time as well mm, it is amazing how we forget isn't it and by being able to add the date it means it's not a it's not a three-line whip if you miss a week or we were chatting just beforehand about how sometimes you come and you think oh i haven't done this for a little while and that's fine you can just pick it back up I love too that it was kind of um, those prompts are ways to connect with your godchild and also to connect with God. So, you know, their prayer request to you, they're chatting to you about stuff, you're chatting to God about it and the encouragement for them, you know, just really getting you to catch and receive stuff from God and share that with them. Sounds like a brilliant idea. Uh, is there anything else either you wanted to add or throw in just while we're chatting about this? Um, yeah, as Kath said, um we've kind of covered all bases in terms of whatever age your ch your godchild is whether they're a child or an adult we've made sure that the prayer requests are worded in such a way that it will be relevant to you and, and to your godchild um but I, I guess another common situation is where your godchild doesn't have um christian parents mm. so sometimes you know we as christians are asked by our non-christian friends to be godparents to their children which again is a huge honor because They've obviously seen something in our, our life and our faith which appeals. And, and if they themselves don't feel in a position to give that nurturing to their children, then they kind of want us to, which is a great opportunity in my um, in my books anyway. And so we've, again, the, the prayer requests are very um, broad and, and they really kind of encompass all different situations. So if your godchild is attending church regularly, if they've got faith input from home, um, that's accounted for in the Godparent Prayer Journal. And if they're not, you know, that's accounted um, in the Prayer Journal as well. When I was writing the prayer requests, I very much wanted to think of the whole being the physical, the mental, the emotional and the spiritual well-being of our children. But just recognising that challenge that the spiritual well-being of our, our godchild um, is, is highly dependent often on their parents at this stage, certainly when they're young. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think that's a nice aspect to the, the resource, actually. It really helps us know how to pray for our godchildren when they're maybe not getting very much faith input. Mm, thank you. And that's such a good reminder because we because we're called parenting for faith. <laughs> People think we're all about parents. But actually, one of the things really we really want to emphasise is that you can have an impact in a child's life, whether you're their godparent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, someone in their church, someone in their community 
all the tools that we talk about in Parenting for Faith, creating windows and framing and unwinding wrong views of God, you can do that for any child in your life. It can be harder, like you were saying, Lucy, if you're far away and, you know, you've got to be a bit more creative. But now in the age of Zoom and we're getting, you know, we're finding ways around that, aren't we, in um, different ways. So, yeah, please do think about using this kind of thing, even if it's for um, foster children and grandchildren, and I'm sure you could adapt it and use it in some different contexts. And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid is this. Who is one person in your life that you think is like God and why? Have a good conversation. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.